following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, another episode of Jay and Keith. And I know we kind of promised uh, talking some basketball, but uh, we'll get to that. But right now, we're not, because yesterday's podcast, uh, Inside the Dome with uh, Dr. Richard Sander, kind of stoked the flames a little bit from an innocent question from a couple of fans about conference expansion for last year and a half, two years, three, whatever it's been. It's been longer than that. Me personally have talked about it, what I would like to see done. And then I noticed uh, as the conversation went, a friend of the podcast, uh, Gene Henley, who covers Chattanooga, uh, had uh, chimed in with it. And then I'm going to backtrack a little bit because, Keith, you know this. I am a man who does not give credit where credit's due because I try to hog all the credit. You know this, right? Yes. You're familiar. So probably Southern Conference basketball tournament last year, I don't know, in between games I'm having conversations with uh, Gene, and we went, uh, we were in the gamut over everything, and we talked a lot about our thoughts on expansion, where the NCAA is going to go and all that, and he said, we should pot, and then I kind of said, okay, and then I forgot about it, and then yesterday, you know, I got a, hey, I told you so, and then I think, uh, you know what, I have to give credit where credit's due, so that being said, we're going to have Gene Henley on. Gene, how you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing great, man, and you know, it's funny, is that that's why we probably mesh so well together, is because I, too, like taking all the credit, and I and I, I, I take none of I take none of the blame. So if none of this stuff is actually true, then Jay, I will give you one hundred percent all the blame that you want. Well, that's uh, okay. What's that old saying? Victory has a hundred th- fathers, but defeat is an orphan. Nobody, nobody will take the credit for it if it's wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, like it, it, it's like the old, um, it, it's like the old Leon, you know, the old Milwaukee commercials with Leon, and the guy's like, there's you know, one of the uh, reporters was in, uh, was interviewing after a game, and he said. Leon, there's no I in team, and Leon replied, there's no we either. So um, that's how I'm, I'm looking for all the credit and none of the blame. There's no I in team, but there is in win, yeah. So <laughs> since ETSU has come back, uh, you know, there's been rumblings. Uh, ETSU has been almost in a league for, I don't give or take, uh, coming up on a decade now, eight, nine years, whatever it is. And I think ever since we have uh, come into contact, you have uh, basically – talked about Chattanooga having other options or would like to see Chattanooga. Sometimes it's stream of consciousness what you would like to see. Sometimes it's been realistic because leagues have reached out or you've heard grumblings, this, that, and other. Let's talk a little bit about uh, you know where you personally want to see Chattanooga go and, and some of the options on what can happen. And, and go doesn't necessarily mean to another league, just where do they go within the league and some other things. Right. Well, um, first of all, I'll joke aside, guys, thanks for having me. But I do think that we've hit a point now with conferences going the way that they are um, where schools like Chattanooga, uh, like ETSU, um, perhaps even a Western Carolina, I, I, you know, you, you kind of have to throw them in because they're a little bit more – uh, they're more ETSU and UTC as opposed to being like a lot, a lot of other schools within the, <clears throat> within the Southern Conference. And you kind of have to at least be open to conversations with people. Now, I, I do know a big part of the problem is, you know, over the years, the biggest question from, like, people within Chattanooga's organization and their administration is, what place makes sense? You know, like, you, you looked at, you know, the Atlantic Sun was so aggressive in how they went about a lot of things early on, and then you look at what they've become. Like, they lost all their best friends. And conferences, let's be clear, conferences aren't necessarily about location, but this, it's also about branding. And, um, you know, so the Atlantic Sun, you look at what it is now, they've lost Jacksonville State, they've lost Kennesaw State, uh, I think I want to say maybe Liberty was in there as well, and that's three of your that's three of your biggest brands within that league. And so now you're you're scrambling, 
you got you know Austin P, which is obviously being very aggressive with stuff. But yeah, like I'm looking at you know what? How does that option make sense? You know, you got Eastern Kentucky that's stuck up there um, having to play. It's cool for football. Everybody's looked at this stuff in football, but not a whole lot of people have a bunch of an appetite for an Eastern Kentucky Florida Gulf Coast basketball game on a Tuesday night in Florida. Um, and that's where a lot of the problems come. Like if you add up a UTC or whomever, that's part of the issues. And um, you look at the OVC, but it's like who really moves the needle there? For every Tennessee Tech that you think or Tennessee State that you think is going to bring in a good crowd, here comes an Eastern Illinois game. Anybody care about that? About Southeast Missouri. No. And, yeah, I mean, perhaps, but um, we're also talking, like, at that time. So now I think it's, you know, Chattanooga's stance has always just really been, well, we're going we're gonna to listen to any and all conversation. And I think it's why I told you the only thing that makes sense to me is if UTC goes, ETSU has to come with. I don't care who leads. I don't care who leads and who follows, but any decision that's made, they probably should make um, together because collectively um, their losses would be huge to the Southern Conference. And that's why I think that the stuff that was said by the athletic director at ETSU yesterday, they need to actually take that seriously. I guess when you say if Chattanooga goes, ETSU should go with, what what is it that you think connects these two schools? Obviously, there's been a lot invested in the football rivalry, and there's the basketball championship history, particularly in the late 80s, early 90s. These two teams seem to be going at it quite a bit. There was the it was the one time one guy punched a cheerleader. I think it got caught on camera. It was a very wild post game. Yeah, Benny Green. Benny Green. Yeah. Um, yeah, Benny Green. Yeah. yeah. What what do you think it is that connects? ETSU and Chattanooga in such a way that if one leaves, the other should go with? I think it's just the the prospects of being able to have both. I mean, I think if you are, if you both go, now if you're a conference and you take both of them, you know, now you kind of have something, you know, whether you use, use it from a travel perspective or not, a, a team could go play, like if we, if we look at this from a basketball perspective, a team could go play Chattanooga on like a Thursday and go play ETSU on a Saturday or vice versa. Um, and, and I think there's just the there's the, the the regionalization of getting you're getting two of the biggest mid major brands in the state of Tennessee, if not the two biggest mid major brands in the state of Tennessee. Like if you're encompassing all sports, and I get it, Belmont is a brand, Austin P, but Austin P, I don't think is quite on the level. Uh, of Chattanooga and ETSU, you're talking about two basketball schools that have won, uh, two schools that have won basketball championships this decade, um, and you've talked, you've, you've got two schools who are seemingly aligned in how aggressive they are to to have winning programs. And I think if you take, if you get one, you get the other. And I don't think that there's a drop like with the Western Western Kentucky NTSU when they were looking at the Mac a few years ago. People were really high on Western, but not that high on Middle. I don't think there's that much of a difference uh, because you can open up the Asheville market with Johnson City. You know, you get Knoxville, you get Knoxville with Chattanooga. Uh, you can get up to Nashville. You can open up the whole state of Tennessee if you bring both of them at the same time. Whereas if you bring one in, uh, it's cool, but uh, you know, like it was like those years that Chattanooga was obviously in the SoCon and trying to pair up with Stanford and. ETSU was in the eighth sun, and I understand, I've heard the story, that wasn't exactly um, <laughs> a good marriage. So um, I, I think if you bring them in, you take them together, that's probably the best way that you could actually build a league is by basically just taking the mid-major part of Tennessee. So, Gene, I want to backtrack a little bit because I, I think you touched on something very interesting when you – you know, the, the ETSU is very aware of the A-SUM because when they joined, the, the year they said, hey, you know, the, leaving the Southern Conference, going to the A-SUM, Central Florida, Florida Atlantic, Georgia State, just to name a few, with Troy, all in the league. And six months later, Florida Atlantic was left for one more year, then they're gone. So ETSU is very familiar with brands that were gone. The other thing I want to touch on was ETSU 
was put into, and I'm using air quotes here uh, for radio, which is always great in a podcast, but um, Gardner-Webb was their travel partner rival for a while, and then okay. that turned into USC Upstate. Do you, you think about the dome being packed for, you know, Southern Conference games with Chattanooga, and again, other built-in rivalries because ETSU and Davidson, along with Chat, was kind of the three-headed monster there for a while, battling for Southern Conference championships. College of Charleston also had a nice little rivalry. So ETSU had a hard time, and then eventually, um, you know, they had you know, no fault of anybody, but they had a couple dust-ups in Kennesaw State that helped kind of get fans at least excited for Kennesaw State, but you had to have something happen to, to where you got excited about it. And Chattanooga was one of the big, and people may not know this, but Chattanooga was one of the biggest reasons why ETSU got back into the Southern Conference. It was Chattanooga championing to get ETSU back, to get that kind of rivalry. And that's why I think ETSU fans and fan base were so jacked up to get back into it. And I think the Chattanooga fan base, I've told this story before, um, uh, it was uh, Kevin Brown, our sports information director, was getting married in Chattanooga about the time that the story had broke that ETSU was going back in the Southern Conference. And I'm wearing an ETSU shirt. And there's a 75-year-old guy walking down the street, and he's like, hey, you're with ETSU? And I was asked me if I was a buck or something. I'm like, yeah, I work in the athletic department. He was like, oh, but it's good to have you back in the league. And he kind of nodded and he goes, to kick your ass again. <laughs> and I was like, let's go, right? Like, I didn't get that anywhere and, uh, around. And I'm thinking, what in the world? You know, and this is six, eight months before, you know, we were playing a game back in the Southern Conference. But, and I know for the players, and it's still, it's a slow build. And it's, it's going to take a while to get back to what I think ETSU and Chattanooga fans the fan bases, I think, want it. The older statesmen want it. And the Southern Conference is such a natural fit for both, which is why I would love the expansion because I think it just makes the most sense to where I've talked to all my buddies at, at App and Georgia Southern and Marshall. And, you know, yes, it's good for a lot of other reasons, but, I mean, their fans can't go to a lot of games. They can't do anything. We're one of the – Southern Conference is still one of the most regional things. I'm like, and there's still so many schools – when you look at the Tennessee, Kentucky, um, the Carolinas, uh, Georgia, I mean, there's so many different ways that expansion could go. Virginia, that could help the league. So I have been champion in trying to stay in the Southern Conference, the Southern Conference trying to be forward thinking. And I know, and Dr. Shannon kind of confirmed a little bit, that they were down the road a few years ago when the major thing was going on. They were going to expand. Had some teams kind of on the hook. Everybody's doing the, the dance. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of thawed out and then the Southern Conference stayed where it is. My concern is, you know, if ETSU and Chad aren't kind of looking, and I hope they expand from within first, and I'll get your thoughts on that in a second, but if they can't expand from there first, then they have to look at what are the other options because you're just one or two teams leaving from where you're going to be struggling. And I know football and basketball drive the bus, but the women's athletics, uh, and especially like women's basketball, which Chattanooga's been, you know, the gold standard for mid-majors from, you know, Westmore for 25 years, give or take. You know, that that is a struggle for women's athletics and for some of these other schools. So your thoughts on the Southern Conference trying to expand, keeping ETSU chat, everybody else, not just those two, but everybody else kind of in place and then trying to add some key pieces to expand the conference. Yeah, and uh, real real quick, I – it's funny you were talking about when uh, ETSU came back. Yeah, I think it was the 20, uh, 2016 or maybe the 2018 football game. Uh, 2018 up in Johnson City. And I think I went on your airwaves and said that uh, it's not quite a rivalry yet. And that, of course, uh, made me um, not so loved up there. And I quickly realized that, you know, it, it was – it, 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 it had the makings, but I feel like rivalry kind of has to be back and forth, back and forth. And to that point, it hadn't been. But, um, you know, certainly, it's certainly in all sports. It always was in basketball. That was never going to change. I was only simply talking football. But I, I think the, the problem is, because this is always the question, if not the SOCOM, then where? And I liken – I liken the relationship between Chattanooga and the Southern Conference, and you know you could throw ETSU in this as well. But I, I, I liken the relationship between the two to a marriage that has just been so long, and 
there's good moments. Uh, there's good things. There's obviously great memories. But maybe one party has started, you know, in, in the 20 years of the marriage, and maybe one party started working out a little bit more, decided they wanted to get in shape. And the other partner doesn't want to get in shape. And, be, and because of the because of the working out and the getting in shape, you start feeling differently. So you you want your partner to share this with this moment with you, and they don't want to. So now you're stuck in a place where do I stay and try to continue to encourage my partner to to do these things, or do I go because this person is not willing to grow with me? I kind of feel like Chattanooga and, and ETSU and, and even Western and, and schools like that are really starting to to work out. And the Southern Conference is like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to go ahead and watch it on TV. I'm going to stream this new TV series I got, um, Billions or whatever. And um, I, but where? Is it Conference USA? That seems like a wasteland. It seems that way. Now, would Chattanooga add to it and ETSU and even Western Carolina? It would expand the blueprint. Would that be a good move? I don't know. Um the Atlantic Sun kind of messed itself up when it lost to all those teams. Because I would actually say the A-Sun, if they had Jack State in those schools, would be perfect because you've got the regionalization of rivalries, you've got a bunch of schools on the same page that seem to have to be marching towards a common goal. Um, and, you know, obviously the Sun Belt is the dream. That's Chattanooga's dream. It's been Chattanooga's dream. I just don't see it happening uh, at this point. It could these things are always fluid and can change in a moment's notice, but um, I don't know. And then, like, the biggest problem, the, the elephant in the room, is, that, like, the biggest issue in all of this stuff is what is college athletics going to look like in five years? What is it going to look like in five years? Like, is there going to be an FBS? Like, if you're a Conference USA team, now you got to be scared as hell. you got to be scared as hell. Because what are you going to do? Like, if these, if these top 60 schools branch off, what does SBS become? Where does Memphis go? Because Memphis is not in a power four league. Somebody will pick them up. What about middle? They're both SBS schools, but look at their athletic budgets. Look at the money they put in athletics. It's, I'm thinking that Memphis is like double middle's budget. Chattanooga and ETSU are probably closer to middle's budget than – middle is to Memphis's. So what happens? So are you willing to go up there and make that jump to FBS just to be told that the FBS that you went chasing no longer exists? Um, it's tough. Like, I, I don't know 100% what the answer is. Um, the right answer should be expansion. Should be. Go, you know, knock on some doors. Like, the CAA doesn't seem like it's a very happy league right now, especially when you lose two of your biggest brands. And you just keep you, you know you just keep losing somebody, bringing somebody, losing somebody, bringing somebody. Um, you know, like I, I don't know. Can you can you work yourself in there and maybe you know go get Richmond for football? Uh, go get a William and Mary. Um, can you knock on the door of some of those A Sun schools that didn't get picked up for FBS? I know Austin P and I know uh, Eastern Kentucky both have FBS dreams is, you know, can you convince them, hey, man, love y'all, but that call ain't coming. You know, like, I, I don't know. That call ain't coming. Um, and maybe it does, but, I mean, can you convince them that the better call for you to take is the one for you? And, you know, SoCon's got a new commissioner. I don't think that Chattanooga wants to leave. I don't think ETSU wants to leave because there is no good answer to this question. You know, we're all just kind of spitballing. There's no perfect answer to what we're what we're, you know, discussing right here. Everybody's kind of just stuck, essentially. Um, but I think that if you're the Southern Conference, you have to be aggressive. The commissioner has to be aggressive in trying to do stuff because, as I said before, whether people like this or not, I, w I could argue that the two biggest brands within this league are Chattanooga and ETSU. And that's no disrespect to Furman because I see what Furman's doing in football right now. They're coming off a championship in, bas in basketball. They're, you know, they're, they're putting money into the athletics department. Things are changing, but that's always going to be looked at as academic first, athletics second. 
probably could have still got it wet. Gene, you, you mentioned the um, the Charlie Baker white paper email about proposing a new subdivision within FBS. It almost kind of looks like an, an FBS preferred, like like you buy the was it the Economy Plus package uh, for a, for an airline ticket. Like it's it's like the it's the FBS Plus um, where uh, the power programs will get to pay their players or compensate their player their athletes through NIL in different ways with different mechanisms, but still compete against the rest of Division One. I don't know how tenable that is. It feels like there will be a significant aftershocks from that. When you talk about realignment, and obviously we've seen some schools try to make moves because they think they're getting a lottery ticket. It's kind of what Kennesaw State did. Do you think it's better to kind of go chaos as a ladder and climb as high as you can, or are you better off in a situation like this keeping your powder dry and, and seeing what shakes out? before you commit to a course of action leaving or staying in conference? I feel like if, you're, if your options are stay Southern Conference or go to Conference USA, stay Southern Conference. Uh, because I'm not so sure. I've heard people, third-party conversations with people who are like Kennesaw State fans who are like, I'm not sure about this. I'm, I'm excited because of certain things. I'm excited about because of the FBS stuff, but I, I don't know about this one, man. I, I'm not sure, and and that stinks because you have no clue. Like, what's the stability of Conference USA? You know, Western and Middle. You know, how do they feel about all these teams that have just joined their league when they've been the you know quote, the quote unquote standard, and they're basically the only two schools that don't that that can't get out of there. Um, like, you see this stuff, and you see this stuff. I mean, all the things, you know, the Charlie Baker thing today, you see all these things happening, and you're just like, I mean, Chattanooga's had this stance for a while. Like, where are we going to go? Like, do you really want to go drive down to Statesboro, you know, on a, uh, to travel down to Statesboro, Georgia, for a conference game? I get it. It's the Sun Belt. It'd be cool, but, like, Jacksonville State's cool. Like, I know ETSU, I'm pretty sure they played at Jacksonville State a few years ago in the playoffs. It's a great environment. Everybody loves Cooter Brown. Amazing barbecue. We love it. We get it. But I'm not I'm not in a rush to get down there. Now, if, if somebody tells me to go down there, I will stop at Cooter Brown. It's just how it is. Those are the rules. Just like I stop at Powell when I go to Johnson City. That's, those are the rules. I know them. I oblige by them. But, um... But, yeah, I mean, there's just not – like, you look around and it's just like, man, it has to be a good, good decision. And it has to be worth it. And I think that anything short of, like, the Sun Belt calling and asking for both, I don't see any reason in leaving. But in the same time that I'm not, I'm saying I don't see any need for them to leave, that doesn't mean that SoCon needs to stand back. I get it. It's a weird, it's a weird conference with four, four publics, uh, three, yeah, four publics, two schools, and Mercer and Sanford that kind of operate like publics, two privates, Wofford and Furman, and then two military academies. It's the, it's the weirdest league in that, in terms of that dynamic. But I get it. It's, it's tough. You've got to convince some people but that's why they made you commissioner to make th- some of this stuff happen because this league does not need stability. This league does not need to have archaic rules where people can't transfer within the league and be eligible unless they've graduated. I get it. You want to be different, but you're the only conference in America that has this. There's so many other things, reasons why the league is behind. And they want to sit here and pump up like there's not a there's still a lack of respect within this league that bugs me. In football, in basketball, like even back in 2018, 2019, I thought it was a multi-bid league in basketball. Should have been. Can't get there. Still a lack of respect. And you know you've got to find some people that can help raise the profile. I'm not 100 percent sure who they are, but I'm also not paid to make those calls and those decisions, and that's something that he's going to have to figure out. Well, let's don't specifically say schools, but what would you, if expansion is the way they go, 
what would you like to see? Would you like to see a couple teams, four teams, three teams, ten teams? What, what would the expansion – and, again, I'm just waving a magic wand. Clearly there's a lot more factors that go into that as far as getting teams. But if uh, we made Gene the commissioner today, you could make, wave the magic wand and, and not name them team names and going down that route because we can name 50 of them. But uh, what would it look like, the expansion? Um, you got to expand the footprint. I think the most important thing to me would be to expand the footprint. Like, it's the the Southern Conference is basically uh, the Carolinas, and then you have the schools that are essentially in the Carolinas, and then um, Chattanooga and Mercer and Sanford, uh, give or take, and more or less. And I, I'm, I'm trying to get into as many new markets as I possibly could. So if I, I want to get into – I want to be able to – really kind of secure some portions of that Kentucky market. So, you know, I know we didn't talk, you know, you mentioned something about not, you know, going to too much specifics, but yeah, to me, Austin Peay and Eastern Kentucky. Um, those are two that really make a lot of sense to me because uh, Richmond, Kentucky gets you Lexington. Um, Austin Peay gets you Nashville. Um, I, I want to expand the footprint of the league. I, I want to I want this to kind of have the feeling of, you know, to have a few sort of mercenary schools. I would actually say that Chattanooga, ETSU schools like that are kind of, you know, kind of mercenary type schools. Like, you know, no disrespect, please, Johnson City, don't yell at me. I've gone through a lot of basketball coaches this, this decade. I'm not saying it, that's fact. I'm not just making that up, that's fact. So, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't care about the specifics. I know the specifics. I've heard them. I'm saying that to say ETSU is committed to winning. You know, they're committed to winning in football. They're committed to winning in basketball. They've got a really good women's basketball coach. Brooke Savage is my guy. You know, I'm really happy to see him doing some good things in his first year. Um, we'll see what happens to Trey Lamb. I don't know him that well, but I've obviously I've heard about him as he's you know, from close by um, in Calhoun, Georgia. Um, you want to have a couple more schools that are willing to kind of be mercenary like that. Like, I don't want to say win at all costs, but you want to make sure that winning matters, that winning truly matters. And um, and that's why, like, I'm looking for schools where, um, look, you may, you may be good for a couple of years and lose your coach. It's just reality. You know, like you may have success, and you're just going to lose your coach, and you'll go out and you will fire, you will find another one who's going to be just as good. Um, and you know that's why I think you want a couple of publics who have some money to spend. That that's important. You know, like you don't want to bring in broke public schools, schools who are begging for money. Uh, like Chattanooga is not a great financial spot, but they. I always I look I would see people's Twitter replies to me sometimes and I'm like they're in a little bit better shape than I think you than you under than you think. Uh, they bring up everything they want to, I've heard it all. Attendance, yada yada yada. They're in good shape. ETSU's in good shape. Western Carolina's in good shape. These public schools within this league are in good shape. They're trying to win, they wanna win. It feels like they wanna win and I would like to see more schools that just feel like we're, we're going to win or we're going to make some decisions to that ensure that this next guy is going to make sure we win because that matters to us. Like this is a business at the end of the day regardless of how much we like it or not. Gene, we appreciate the time. And I'm really, uh, really sorry I didn't uh, take your word for it when we got uh, down this rabbit hole in March. Should have had you on in <laughs> April, but – Certainly things have happened. It gave us a little more uh, time to talk about. The other thing is, uh, instead of eating this donut, I, I think you're telling me I need to go work out because uh, otherwise you're going to join another <laughs> podcast because you told me you're working out at three. So me and Keith are eating a few donuts over here. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll break up with us. You'll come back on the podcast later. Well, I mean, you you eat you you work out so you can eat all the donuts. So see, my 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 issue is cookies. Uh, yeah, my, my my problem is uh, I really enjoy the Pillsbury ready to bake. And uh, to, but I have to earn them. And uh, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the fact that I have to bake them means I have to earn them. So uh, this is this is this is just an elaborate ruse to, to earn my cookies. So uh, 
So, guys, like I said, I certainly appreciate it, man. Uh, y'all do great work up there, and obviously I will see you all soon enough. All right, Gene, take care, man. All right, man, we'll see you. simulate your own fake subwoofer. Yep, that's kind of what it sounds like. I thought you'd be shocked I was in somewhat rhythm. I uh, was all the way in rhythm, but I was somewhat in rhythm. Somewhat, yeah, somewhat. Well, I mean, the, the bass could work at a different uh, rhythm from the, yeah. Right, like, the bass can be doing a different Speaking bass. of bass, um, actually, I have nothing about that. Um, we heard a little bass in Gene's voice. He got a little uh, talking there. We're back on base because both ETSU men's and women's basketball are at home this week. Ooh, that's a good one. Yes, women will be technically we're recording Thursday, so that will be uh, tonight. So some folks may or may not hear that by the tip. It's Wednesday, Jay. What did I say? You said Thursday. Oh, my God. Now, th- Thursday's a typical basketball night, but also just Ugh. you are, you are yeah, swimming no, in it. I am. I am. Uh, and uh, under the category that, that uh, none of us hear about the labor, just show me the baby. Really? They're back in. Wow. Crash course learning I have done. So he just he nation when uh, something goes wrong with ESPN3. No, that we lost our two video guys, and I'm now trying to figure out how to get us on there. So, not that Yes, direct your complaints to uh, four to – no, I'm kidding. Yes, but, uh, again, uh, if people just want to watch the game and don't care about the back end, that is what has engulfed my life uh, this past week and a half. And moving the trailer – Unlearn. Because as Yoda said, you must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> There's plenty of people that I've been learning. Well, you never, deal, you so never learned deal. that stuff in the first place. Uh, we learned a thing or two about ETSU with a 61-59 road win over Jacksonville State, particularly that Ebi Asamoah can shoot the basketball. I think we already knew, had a feeling of that, but when this team needed big shots – Ebby delivered 22 points. Nobody else in double figures. He hit six threes of ETSU's eight, and the Bucks get the win to get back to 500. I mean, the set piece they ran uh, underneath the basket coming out of the timeout, the, the old ATO that they call it after timeout. Everyone has learned that the other day. Uh, but the set piece they had that they was it a blob or a here, slob? It was technically a blob. Okay. Um, uh, so it was a blob out of ATO. Yes. For baseline out of bounds for those who don't speak that. Ado so, blob, and blobado. It's a blobado. The pick by Jake Parker probably goes unnoticed on that because everyone like me at the time of it is watching the pass to the shooter. He's falling out of bounds. You know, just heavy being heavy to be honest with you. But if we go back and watch it, what a great pick by Jake Parker. And there were a lot of little things in this game I thought helped ETSU pick up the win. One, Parker being the screen. The two defensive plays, uh, one by Kimari Peterson, one by Karan Boyd, maybe go a little bit unnoticed. And the two offensive rebounds, I don't think went unnoticed by many people. There was the tap-in by Karan Boyd with the one hand. Then the offensive rebound off of his free throw kick out. Makai Johnson's only made three. So there were a lot of things. I mean, to, to say that Karan Boyd takes pride in defense on the team bus and went to, like, go back there and get a water, and I reached in and slapped my hand away. Like, I mean, he is defending at all times, right? I mean, he is not letting anything by him on his watch. So he's fun to watch, and, and I said this early on, really, uh, and, and you agreed with me, but I, I thought he would be a fan favorite pretty early because of just, I think DTSU uh, Buck Nation really appreciates guys that just leave it all out there. I mean, from the second yep. they walk off the bus uh, until, you know, it's time to hit the showers after the game, they are nonstop effort all the time. Defense rebound and little things, you know. And and I remember uh, it was a Doc Sander uh, that, that kind of passed by and said, "Man, if only Boyd could shoot." And we looked at him and said, "Well, yeah, but he may not be here." I mean, you know, yeah, that's if he I'm could saying. do it all, he couldn't be. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be here. Yeah. But if he can develop some shot, but again, I don't know that they. they I know they. 
Kimari's coming off the foot thing. Plus, he was in foul trouble. I mean, I think that's not going to be an everyday yeah. situation for him. But when they needed him to score, he scored four in a row. A layup going down the lane, a pull-up 15-foot jumper. I mean, when they needed it, he was able to do so. I think Jade Parker's still getting better offensively They're, when they try to get him the basketball. I still think there's that lull in the mid-first half towards the end of the first half where, again, it was two separate time frames, but still added up to almost ten minutes of no field goals. And, again, they hit free throws, so there's some points being in it, but there's no field goals. And so there's like 30 minutes on the road. ETSU's playing really good basketball. Specifically in the second half, I think they're plus like 60-something mm-hmm. in the second half on the road. So um, they, they play great defense, come out of the locker room. They're able to hit more shots in the second half. They've scored 40 or more. They're averaging almost 40 points in the second half on the season now. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of things out of the locker room. I, I just don't know, Keith, what to make of that is it bench? Is it just guys getting to know one another? Is it just the other team's playing really good defense at that point? I mean, you know, just a run? I, I don't know, but there's something to it, I can tell you. Yeah, well, I, I think you can help yourself out with the clock stop when you're at the free throw line taking undefended shots, and ETSU hasn't done that. Uh, free throw percentage is near the bottom of the SOCON. It's one of the not great numbers really in the country. Um, if I look at team stats, team free throw percentage, ETSU at – was at 63.9%. Uh, I'm not going to turn that rock over in the NCAA stats. Actually, I will in a second. But it's not a good number for ETSU. If you're trying to win games, you need to be more efficient at the line. You think uh, ETSU at 312th in the country in free throw percentage, that hurts. You, you can go back game by game and look at ETSU's free throw numbers and say, well, you know, if they're 11 of 11 in Elon, might have ended up being a different game. Certainly, you know, if they're uh, 12 of 14 against Butler, at least it's a little more respectable. Uh, they, they beat Cleveland State if they're 11 of 12 at the free throw line instead of 9 of 12. And 8 of 16 at App State, another game that if you hit more free throws, you have a better chance to win. Jacksonville State, they were 9 of 17. You win that game by 2 when you probably could have won it by 8 if you hit your free throws. And when your offense is not producing, when the shots aren't falling, and that happens, it's college basketball, it's mid-major college basketball, inconsistency is going to happen. It is part and parcel in the game. It's why most College basketball games on the men's side end in the 70s, and a lot of women's games end with one team in the 80s and the other team in the 50s. I, this, is, this is about um, inconsistency, and how do you weather that? You weather that by offensive rebounding, second-chance points. You weather it by hitting your free throws. Uh, you weather it by not turning the ball over, and I think ETSU's done an okay job uh, of that. They did turn it over, what, 19 times against Butler, 18 times Cleveland State. But 11 Alabama A&M, six turnovers against App, 12 against Jacksonville State. But they're, they're little things that add up. Your offense is going to come and go, all right? Your bench is very much a work in progress because Makai Johnson, is pl- he just played his eighth college basketball game ever. Uh, Gabe Sisk is still trying to figure out a lot of stuff. Alan Struthers is coming back off of an injury. Braden Nilick is still very much a developmental player. D.J. Hughes missed 17 games last year. That's a lot of critical in-game experience that he didn't get at a critical point of his development. So these guys are still coming along, and there's still going to be a lot of bumps in the road, and some of them are going to be big, and some of them are going to knock the bolts out of your brake calipers. You're going to have a weird, unexplained rattle for miles on end, and then you take it to a mechanic, and it's like a $40 repair. Like, it's an easy thing to fix. But also, until you identify it, until you know what it is, you can't fix it. And you can't figure it out. And you poke around it, you theorize, and you hypothesize. But until you just start drilling down on it um, and, and just to take a look under the hood and see what's happening, uh, then you're not going to know what to fix. And so these guys have been sitting in the garage. There's not been a chance to look under the hood. There's not been a chance to take them out on the road for a test. You have to work through that and you're going to need players to step up and deliver the little stuff Karan Boyd with five offensive rebounds that helps you win games Um, Karan Boyd one of four from the free throw line 
needs to be better, right? And, and this is not, it's not even just your bench, but normally those those bench guys are the guys that would pick up the slack. If you have a guy that goes off for 10 or 12 points on the bench one night, say Tyler Rice gets in a rhythm, hits a few threes, Justice Smith gets to the rim, knocks a couple layups down, and he gets you 8, 10 points, that helps you weather some of that as well. But that's not there right now for ETSU. So do the little things. Do the things that I'm going to invert a Bob Diaco phrase that I promised myself I would never use. Do the things that cause winning, right? Value the basketball, rebound, particularly offensive glass, get yourself more opportunities, and hit your free throws. You do those things, and the wins will start to stack up, and you'll get more time to develop and grow as an offense so that when you get to conference play, you look like what your coach wants you to look like. I think the other thing is trying to establish some sort of bench, not just necessarily points that would help, but you got to give some starters some rest because you keep logging 34 to 38 to 40 minutes in some cases for Kimari Peterson, and that's just going to wear on you at the end of the season. And we've talked about that with Furman over many, many, many years. And once they developed uh, a little bit more of a rotation, a six-man rotation, you saw the win totals go up. Now you see them both go to the NCAA tournament win a game. And so I think ETSU's got to figure that out. Again, Alan Struthers back. I think that will eventually help. Now he got his first minutes uh, this past uh, week. Actually, it was the first time all four returners were on the floor at the same time. And then going well, on a two-and-a-half-minute stretch. So, But getting Alan Struthers back, I think, is going to help. I think if they can figure out a way to get, you mentioned Sis, you mentioned John, they can get the freshmen to kind of get some more minutes. But also, you know, Justin Smith played 24, playing a kind of point forward, whatever position that is, I think that's good. The big guys have got to help out, whether that's Illich, whether it's Hughes, somebody's got to be able yeah. uh, to give some quality. But I think that the overall bench in general has got to just improve as the season goes along. And the next chance they get is Sunday against Tennessee Tech, which has been a very up and down squad. You also need to be mindful. We've talked about foul trouble, and it's been an interesting conversation hearing Brooke Savage's philosophy on foul management how he thinks the whole idea of foul management is to an extent antiquated, uh, that you know you just kind of let them go out there, and if they fell out, they fell out. Sometimes that works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But um, the guys themselves have to be mindful of stacking up fouls. Braden Nillett can't have two personal fouls in four minutes. Justice Smith against Butler. Um, you know, Jaden Seymour, he got – was it three in the first half against Davidson and then picked up his fourth right after halftime? Like, that's stuff that – now, he finished the game, but that's stuff you've got to be mindful of because um, you you need to really pick your spots on when to get physical and defend because you, you're going to have to be out there. And particularly for the bench guys, if the bench guys stack up fouls and they're only able to play six, seven minutes a game – well, that's not going to help your starters get any kind of rest like you're talking about. So there's more to the bench than just scoring. I, I really think Makai Johnson's going to be, when we get into SOCON play in January, I think he's going to be all right. I think he's a player that, that you're going to see start to grow over the course of the year. But um, in the meantime, guys just got to stay on the floor and ride this out. So uh, you look at Tennessee Tech um, just for a second, and they've got Division one win to be Presbyterian in overtime to knock a couple non D ones, but they played a couple Southern Conference teams tough. Five point loss against Chattanooga that was at Chat, and then actually led midway through the second half for Western Carolina, right. uh, beat them 69-65. And that's a game I think uh, a few ETSU players, I know Jade Seymour specifically, is a little disappointed that they lost the way they did down there a year ago. So you know, that'll be Sunday second. Oh half yeah, doubleheader. First half of that's going to be ETSU leaves McRae, but coming up uh, tonight, we record on Wednesday. This is still Wednesday, right? Yes, it is day. still Wednesday. All right, it's going to be the other Buccaneers. Chuck South, Charleston Southern uh, will make the trek up. How do they feel about being called Chuck South? I don't I think they, like they, they don't it like it. it. They don't like it. They don't like it. I don't know who else listens to the podcast, but uh, yeah. there's a lot of people that don't like what I call them on air. So <laughs> there you go. But, yes, Charleston Southern come up. Uh, you know, and I think for the women, you know, good bounce back. They ran into a little bit of a – Buzzsaw uh, with Lipscomb, I felt like two things. One, ETSU had to continuously try to fight back and mm-hmm. just expend so much energy. They never could get over that hump. They got it to three.
three twice, I think, or maybe they got to two once, but whatever it was, got it to one possession game a couple times, and right before the end of the first half, it was like four out of five possessions, threes, and they had another three before the end of the half. Yeah. That jumped it back up to 15, and same thing, uh, late third quarter, I guess it was, they got it down to three, and all of a sudden, again, a run by, let's give Lipscomb credit. Yeah. You know, that's a team that won 20-plus games a year ago. They returned a lot of people like ETSU. ETSU was thin in the post, had some issues, but then they bounced back, I thought, with a good win. Morehead State, and again, playing great defense on another team under 60 points. Yes, and and they've also had their shooting struggles as well. And Nevaeh Brown is a great example of that. Nevaeh was 7 of 30 over three games. Norfolk State, Miami, Lipscomb. She was 7 of 14 against Morehead State. And when you see a player like that, and, and this, this is the other thing, is that ETSU, I'm not as worried about women's basketball with their depth because – there are different players that you know are good for it on different nights. Kendall Foley's going to be good for a big number. And if Kendall's not good for a big number, then Neve Brown is good for a big number. And if Neve's not good for a big number, then somebody's probably leaving Courtney Moore open, which they absolutely should not do. You do not do your due diligence as a basketball team if you don't have somebody in Courtney Moore's hip pocket every single trip down the floor. So somebody's going to go off. And if it's not one of those three, maybe it's Journey McDaniel, maybe it's Bree Beatty. You know, Beatty had the big game against Radford that lifted them over the top in that one, hit a big three with like two and a half minutes to go, and then Foley hits the one shot late. Neve Brown lifted ETSU to the win against Moorhead with her offensive output. Somebody is good for it. Somebody's good for a big total on any given night for this team, and that's how they're going to find ways to win basketball games when the shot's as a whole, are not going in. And their defense, they're so responsible with the basket. They're like 14th, I think, in the country in turnovers per game. It's a little, it's like about 12.2, and 12 is the benchmark they want. They do a lot of little things well, and they're going to give them up, give themselves opportunities to win. I do think the Lipscomb game was a hiccup. I think it said more about Lipscomb than it did about ETSU because Lipscomb came in and did that on the road. They got challenged late in the second quarter. Bucks got it down to two. Uh, no, got it down to three. And um, Lipscomb goes on a 12 nothing run. And then just down the floor, drive, kick, bang, drive, kick, bang, drive, kick, bang, drive, kick, bang. It's just machine efficiency from Lipscomb on offense when they needed it. ETSU got it down to one in or down to two in the third quarter. And Lipscomb goes on another run, and Ja'Kiah Davis isn't in the game, and they're able to take advantage and get to the rim and score a bunch of two-point shots where they weren't hitting the three. So they found a way to get that done, and I was really impressed with them. I think the only reason they don't win their conference if they don't win the A-Sun is because Florida Gulf Coast is also in the A-Sun. That's a pretty good team. And uh, Charleston Southern, a little bit different. They did get a win over Mercer earlier this year, but this is a team that you know I, I don't look at and say – wow, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, I think this team's going to scrap. They're pretty good on the offensive glass. Um, they they shoot the ball from outside okay, but they're not a high-scoring team. This is somebody that ETSU should beat. This is somebody that ETSU should beat without dramatics at home. Uh, this is uh, this, the, bu- the clash of the Bucks should go the way of ETSU tonight. I think if ETSU and Charleston Southern both play a median game, an average game for I guess it would be a mean game or a median game or a mode game, if they play any of those, uh, that ETSU should, should handle them. Well, they're getting ready to hit a, a nice stretch because they're going to play 7 of 8 at home. Uh, yes. Well, already, I mean, it's already, what, uh, 8 of 10? Yeah, eight of ten. And I think it's nine of eleven actually. If you go, if you dip into conference play, so this is a this the sun is shining. Time to make hay. Yeah, they got you know six of the first eight was on the road or neutral site. So getting a chance to be back home and start Charleston Southern. Of course, Sunday will be the first part of that doubleheader, one thirty tip at Freedom Hall. And we by this much missed a Mister Jennings homecoming because he was the head women's basketball coach at Lee's McRae last year. And he is no longer the head women's basketball coach at Lee's McRae. And I was like, ah, one more year. One more year. It's all we wanted. I can't imagine 
people would be tripping over. It would be the hottest ticket in town, that doubleheader. Go watch Mr. Coach. Go watch ETSU beat Tennessee Tech on Sunday afternoon. That would have been a fun one. That would have been a lot of fun. But I mean, it would have been some nice ties because you had the Bucks versus Bucks, then you had uh, Misters. Could have been a homecoming. Yep. Coach Monk versus our old squad. I guess UNC Asheville, I've, yeah. I've got nothing other than ETSU and Campbell just to be in the same league. And Campbell's pretty good this year. You know, does Gardner Webb try to fight for Trey Ram, uh, Lamb's uh, rights there? It's end of it. I, I don't know. There's a lot. And then you go to Clemson, and then uh, Chris Brayton, then you got Coker, and then you're right. You open up league play with uh, Oklahoma straight. With Sanford, Mercer Bush. at home, and, and Mercer yeah, is. I didn't realize how Coach was mad at me for the Mercer. That was evident on the coaching sheet. So she told me that uh, me uh, mentioning early before the league had started that it was Mercer and everybody else. Last year? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, pre- I mean, before he got into league play. And, you know, it was, that, that's what it was. If you look at all the, the voting and where everybody was at, I mean, ETSU wasn't like ETSU and Chapel picked at the top because they had to change. No. So it ended up, and then Mercer ended up kind of sliding down and, and you know, ETSU and Chad battled it out, uh, you know, with, uh, was it Wofford? Who's the other team? Player 13. It was ETSU, Chattanooga, Wofford. Yeah, Wofford. But it really ETSU, Chattanooga. Offered, but they were all kind of battling Mercer down. But uh, yeah, coach, coach reminded me that uh, I, I was listening. If you need me to pick another team out and say their name until you get mad at me to, you know, win win the league or yeah, uh, name, you know, name check another team. Do, yeah, whatever you want. I mean, you tell you tell me who I would make you mad. And I'll say it. I am a team player now. Would you say it's Chattanooga and everybody else? That would be tough. You know what? Me. That's gonna be. Oof. Chattanooga is the in the initial net. Now, net does some wild things over the course of the year, but Chattanooga in the initial net is the only team in the top 100. That went over Mississippi State, probably part of that. Yeah, you know, if you're a, you're a league person, it's good, it was good for the league. ETSU for this basketball has taken some. Well, you know, it is. Some, some hits on, you know, the overall strength of the league and uh, some other things. Once we get into uh, maybe next week or the week after, we'll start really diving in uh, to the the league itself, looking at it because you're starting to set the tone for uh, league action. And we may yes. have some opinions on, okay, who shocked us, you know, our preseason thoughts on who's what. Sometimes that changes. And thank goodness for the most part, I believe everyone's still healthy on uh, both men's and women's side. I don't, you know, I could be missing somebody for one of the teams that uh, is there. But for the most part, uh, everyone's there. And sometimes that changes things, too, depending on how the year goes. So, for you know today's show, I'm uh, not going to have one uh, this weekend for some reason, or before the weekend, just for some reason. I'm again, trying to learn to uh, get free ball and free huh. Yeah. And, uh, hope so. Certainly hope so. I can tell you going to be yelling at cousin. You? Yeah. That's going to be you. It had to be you. All right. We have had some fun conversations the last couple of. Uh, Three days. We yes. Dr. Sander, he did get stuff done. We had Gene Henley, did it kind of popped off the Sander mentioned a little bit of realignment or just kind of his thoughts, not really just kind of speaking, I think, yeah. out in the open. And now we, again, just spoke for us. I cannot state, you know, stress that enough that we do not represent this. We represent Jane on the Buccaneer Sports Network. 14 and 12. Oh, you got to be kidding me.